Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Rost. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whatever you are tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Ross, and I'll be your guide as we explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from our Missouri. In honor of the state's 200th birthday, our Missouri will feature a series throughout 2021 entitled Bicentennial Book Club, which discusses award-winning publications that detail the state's diverse history, as well as the stories behind the stories featured within their pages. Our guest today is Melton McLaurin. He holds a PhD in history from the University of South Carolina, and presently serves as a professor emeritus of history at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. He is the author of several books, including Separate Pasts, Growing Up White in the Segregated South, The Marines of Monford Point, America's First Black Marines, and our focus for today, Celia, a slave. Welcome to our Missouri, Dr. Melton McLaurin. Glad to be here. Now, when we think about this book, Celia, a slave, Tell me a little bit about the origins of that project. How did that all come to be? It came to be because I saw a reference to the case of Celia in a history of women in the labor movement. And I looked at that reference. It was to a very, very small uh, summary of the trial of Celia written uh, sometime in the 1920s. And I was just intrigued by it. So I started doing research on it, went out to Missouri a couple of times to do some research. And um, that's where the project started. Now, you mentioned uh, trips to Missouri there. Talk a little bit about, about those trips. You know, where did you go? I mean, we could obviously think of Callaway County, but uh, what archives are you visiting? What sites are you, are you going to as you're preparing for the research? Well, I did the research primarily at uh, the Fulton County Courthouse where the records of the trial are, and also at Jefferson City in the state archives. Um, used a lot of newspapers at the state archives. Those were the two primary sources uh, for me. Made a couple of trips out to Fulton, each over two weeks long. Uh, also went out to the what had been the farm to see where that was. So got a feel of uh, the outlying areas around Fulton. And that was the main body of research. Now, as we think of, of Celia, and as you're encountering her with those materials, who was she? Tell us a little bit about her life and why her life was significant. Well, we don't know a lot about her life. We know more about her death. But um, Celia was an enslaved woman. She was purchased by a man named Robert Newsom, a resident of, Cal of Callaway County. And she was purchased to be basically, I'll use an Old Testament word, a concubine, as well as a cook. Newsom's wife had died a year before her purchase. She was purchased in 1851, and she was brought home and installed as Newsom's slave as a cook and to satisfy Nick Newsom's sexual desires. 
there were also two adult daughters living with Newsom, uh, as well as some other slaves, a few other slaves, all, all males. And uh, in that period of four years, uh, Celia bore two children uh, by Newsom and was pregnant with a third, begged him to leave her alone, tried to get her daughters to his daughters to intercede for her. He, she could not get him to stop having sexual relations with her. So one night she killed him. Uh, she <clears throat> hit him with a, a stick, a big stick. And he started to reach out for her after that. And so she literally beat him to death and was tried for murder. And it's her trial that uh, gets so much attention now. We don't know a lot about the living arrangements on the Newsom farm, either with the slaves or with the family. Now you mentioned that we know much about her death, certainly <clears throat> not so much about her life, although you just reconstruct some of that. But how do you, as a historian, how do you reconstruct someone's life when there are so few records kept about her outside of the court materials? It's very difficult. And frankly, I missed a couple of things, but uh, there were a couple of articles in, in newspapers, local newspapers, one of them, I think the Boonsville uh, paper, that I missed and um, a few others, but it, it's, it's difficult. You can't, there are no records. Uh, and uh, Celia is particularly difficult because she was purchased in 1851 after a, a census in 1850, she was purchased out of Aldrain County uh, and, and she dies in 1855. So it is really, really hard to piece together the life of an enslaved person in this period. Now, as you're doing the research for this project, as you're beginning to find out information about Celia, about the Newsom family, about her uh, ultimately Robert Newsom's death and her death later on, how did people initially respond to you either going into Missouri to investigate this or just in general when you talked about the project? Well, I did, I'll be honest, I didn't talk about the project a lot. When I went into the Fulton Courthouse, I was met by this individual that I thought was sort of a functionary in Fulton, but it turns out that he was the judge. I don't, I've forgotten the name of the court, whether it was uh, Superior Court or what, but he was the judge. And I told him what I was looking for, and he carried me down to the courthouse archives and a couple of secretaries there and said, get this man whatever he wants. <laughs> And they did. They got me all the court documents, which I Xeroxed. That was, that was a trip in and of itself. But when I went out to the Newsom farm and I did meet some members of the Newsom family, I didn't let them know what I was looking for at first. And they said, well, you're, look, you're looking into this Celia case, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And uh, they told me what they do, which was not much. So it was the court documents that I relied on very heavily. Now, when this book is first published, which has been uh, roughly 30 years ago or so, what was the state of scholarship when it came to studies of slavery in the United States or even Missouri um, and studies about the experience of enslaved women? Well, really, the the study of sexual abuse of enslaved women was just in its infancy, uh, led by a woman named Darlene Clark Hine, who has since retired. And um, 
she originally estimated that about one in every, about 25% of all enslaved women experienced sexual abuse. As she did more studies, she upped that uh, estimate to about one of every two. So it was a widespread practice as, as a part of slavery. But that aspect of slavery was just beginning to, to get attention from professionally trained historians, which is one of the reasons Celia got the attention it got. Thinking about Celia and this kind of life of, of the publication, uh, it has made, the book has made regular appearances in history survey classes. I can speak to a number of occasions when I, I've known teachers to use it in, in a history level class uh, for college. Uh, it's an assigned textbook or book in, in many cases, and it comes up in history textbooks as referenced um, when discussing slavery in the United States. Why do you think the story of Celia, of her life and her death, why do you think she has had such an influential legacy uh, 150 plus years after her death? Well, I've got to make a bit of an announcement here. Celia was published by the University of Georgia Press. And they sold the paperback rights, but not the hardback rights. Uh, Avon Books has been selling Celia in paperback, mass market paperback, for 30 years. Georgia Press has just bought back the rights to the paperback version of Celia. And this late this fall, we'll be bringing out a 30th anniversary edition of Celia. That's how significant the book has been. It has been used in not just U.S. survey classes, but classes on genders, classes on slavery, classes on race relations. Uh, it has been used so much that I counted seven different sites that a student could go to and purchase a book review of Celia. There have been thousands of students who have read Celia's story. I think one of the things I am very proud of is that this was a book that encouraged much more scholarship, not only about Celia per se, but also about the larger question of women and slave. I, I would like to add that one of the reasons I think Celia got so much attention, there are other books about enslaved women uh, who were sexually abused. Uh, I can think of one written by the person who was abused uh, it, it's called uh, Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl about Harriet Jacobs. There are books written about Margaret Garner, who was the slave that Toni Morrison based her book Beloved on. But Celia killed her master. She's the only one who killed her tormentor. And I think the fact that Celia killed her master really made this a powerful, powerful book. That's, that's fascinating to think about the, the kind of what has happened in 30 years uh, to bring her story to life. Now, in retrospect, you mentioned there's, a, there's going to be an updated version. There's going to be a, a, a re-released version there. How do you view the book today, 30 years later? Well, of course, uh, I think it's a solid work of history. I did miss a couple of things. You can't get everything. And this was the first crack at it. Some scholars have added a, a little bit to Celia's story uh, and, and probably will continue to do so. 
I am extraordinarily proud of this book, uh, obviously. Who wouldn't be with that kind of reception? But I think it really helped open the discussion about the uh, sexual abuse of enslaved women, about how widespread it was, about how outside the law slave women were when it came to protecting uh, their, their uh, own bodies, even from other slaves, as far as that goes. But it, it did these things and it grabbed attention. And it grabbed attention both in the scholarly world with really good reviews from every major uh, scholarly publication I know of, but from places like the New York Times and the New York Review of Books and the Washington Post and popular papers as well. So it, it sort of got out in the public. Uh, and, and I am pleased with, with the reception this book has gotten and the fact that it remains a text assigned in classes throughout the United States. Do you still have unanswered questions about Celia? And were you able to answer them in, in the 30 plus years since the original publication? Well, I do. I've, I've, and there are there is work being done on Celia as we speak. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was a, uh, a website called the Celia Project out of the University of Michigan. But there's also work being done in Missouri on Celia. And one of the things that I think that I know I missed is a reference to Another uh, African-American woman, she wasn't a slave of, of the Newsoms, but who may have been in and out of Celia's life, and I'd like to know more about her. Uh, I didn't know what had happened to Celia's daughter when, when the book came out, and daughters, she had two, uh, they are named Jane and, and Vine, or Viney, V-I-N-E, and since then I have learned uh, that they were sold. And I speculate in the book that they would have been sold within months after Celia's execution. And in fact, they were. They were sold back into Audrain County. I don't know to whom, uh, but that was a county from which Celia had been purchased by Newsom. Now, with the, the 30th anniversary edition coming out, when can we expect to see that on bookshelves? I think it'll probably be out in November or December of this year because it was originally published in, 19, in uh, 1991. So 2021 is the 30th year. So it'll be sometime uh, just before Christmas. Fascinating. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Dr. McLaurin. Okay. Thank you for listening to the R Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our dash Missouri.